Welcome to the DSM podcast featuring Pastor David Martin and his second installment of Torch and the Flame. So how many of y'all were here last week? Let me just hear a woo. Okay. Last week, man, we talked about the torch. So we're in the start of the series called Torch and the Flame. And last week we talked about this torch that has been passed down from every generation from the moment these 11 knuckleheads known as the disciples, there are these teenage boys. And Jesus is about to leave, and he's like, listen, before I go, I want you to do a couple of things. So he took the torch, figuratively speaking, the message of the gospel and love of Jesus, and he put it in these 11 guys' hands. And then he leaves. But from that moment, because they took the torch seriously, they have passed it on. And the generation after them, and the generation after them for the last 2,000 years, some better, some worse, but the generation before you brought the torch to you. And so last week we talked about what does this mean? We see the carrying the torch as a chore. We see it as maybe even optional. But we learned last week that the torch is an honor to carry. And so we're talking about the torch represents the message and the love of Jesus, right? And so we were were talking about last week about how we say, God, we want you to move in our city. We want you to save people who are struggling with suicide. We want you to reach into the darker parts of our city and change it and transform it. Yes, you got to pray. We're all about interceding. However, when we say that, then sometimes we don't see it happening. And then we go, oh, God, God, how come you're not moving in our town? How come you're not making a difference? We've prayed so hard. He's like, hey, could it be that maybe you're the answer to your own prayer? Maybe you need to just walk across and break out of your cliques at school and start talking to people that don't look like you, showing them that Jesus loves them, even though you may not have a lot in common, running the same circles of friends. But man, maybe, just maybe, it just takes one person to go, oh yeah, you mean I could like talk to other people besides those in my peer group? Yes, you may be the answer to your own prayer. Because God uses me and he uses you to change the world. The torch is in your hand. And so that's what we talked about last week. However, what was really cool is we also touched on the fact that maybe some of you, your torch isn't lit and it's been put out because the, the tidal waves and, the, and the, uh, the rapids of life and bad choices maybe has taken your flame out. You're just holding a torch with no flame. That's kind of a bummer. But we said last week that the flame that you carry is not a flame that you have to relight on your own. That is the flame of the Holy Spirit. And so all we have to do is come back to God and say, God, from the mother flame, right? We talked about the Olympics, and if someone is carrying the Olympic torch and their torch goes out, there's someone from the mother flame who comes, the keeper of the flame, and they go over and they light the torch again from the original flame from Greece, right? And so you keep on running, man. So listen. Okay, so maybe you've had a bumpy start to the school year, spiritually speaking. Maybe you found yourself kind of going back to some of those old habits. I'm here to tell you, God is not here to squash you like a bug. He doesn't want to crush you. He doesn't want to make you feel bad. He's just wanting to say, hey, will you let me light your flame again so you can get back up? Because there's a world out there that's waiting for you to bring this message of the love of Jesus Christ to those around you, right? So that's what we talked about last week. And so this week, we're going to talk about the flame. Okay, so we talked about the torch last week. This week we're going to be talking specifically about the flame. So here we are. So Jesus is looking into the faces of these 11 teenagers saying, I'm leaving the torch with you. Don't you love that Jesus picked teenagers to change the world? 
Isn't that cool? Really? Teenagers? Let me ask you one more time. Aren't you glad that he chooses teenagers to change the world? Or is it just me? Or is it just the guy who's 46 who thinks that's cool? If I was a teenager, I'd be like, wow, that's true. Jesus picks teenagers to change the world. Spoiler alert, y'all are teenagers, okay? So that's a pretty cool thing. That ought to let you know that you don't need to wait until you get my age to be used of God. As a matter of fact, if you wait until you're my age, you probably will never do it. All right? So here we go. So Jesus tells these disciples in Acts 1, verse 4, he says this. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he has promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in a few days, guys, you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, the flame of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, my God, this is all about you. This is for you. This is your word, which is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Father, I don't need to punch up the gospel to make it real. Only your Holy Spirit can do that. So we say in this moment, God, have your way in Jesus' name. I pray that you would open the hearts and the minds of every student in this room, every adult. And God, may we see a transformation in the exchange of sin for life. The exchange of regret for truth and peace and restoration. Father, we also pray and we ask for the awakening of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in every single person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. So what Jesus is basically saying, he's like, listen, I've given you the torch. And they're like, we got the torch, right? But here's the problem. Jesus says, whoa, 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 Y'all are knuckleheads. Here's the thing. You can't just run out of here with the torch. You're going to have to wait for something before you run. You see, last week we talked about how Jesus says we are called to move. And we've been given the power. We're the children of God, right? And so we're like, yes, and we should move. But here's the deal. The challenge is, is that many times we move ahead of God. And the problem is, is we don't, when we don't wait for God's timing and do it his way, when God says wait, in whatever point in your life he's saying just wait, don't do anything yet in this area, it's probably smart to wait. Because God has a plan for you. And so he tells these guys, before you go set the world on fire, I need you to wait before you can go. It's so hard to wait though, isn't it? Like, think about it, man. Like, I ha like sitting at a stoplight is bothersome to me. Yeah, right? Okay. There's a stoplight right here on uh, Voyager, and it's like crossing over. Dude, I think that, seriously, I have celebrated two birthdays at one stoplight, at that stoplight. I'm, I mean, it takes forever, right? Man, when you're in a rush, but you need to get a coffee fix before you go somewhere to go to school or work, and that barista is making friends with the person in the car in front of you in the drive-thru, it's like you stop showing love to people. Like, just give me my coffee, please. Because I'm like, oh, how was your weekend? Oh, mine was so good. We went wakeboarding and, and whatever. You, you were. And I'm like, would you just move that person? I, I'm, I don't want to wait. Who wants to wait for anything? I remember. This is a story I may have shared. I can't remember what stories I've shared and not shared with you guys. This may be a double scoop. But back when I was 15, up to my 15th birthday, all I could think about and obsess over was driving a car, okay? Now, I know for you guys, I don't know what's happened in this generation, but we have not done a good job passing the torch of the keys to you guys. You're like, oh, I'll get my driver's license whenever. No problem. My mom takes me where I need to go. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? From the time I was like seven, I couldn't wait to drive a car, right? So it's my 15th birthday. I go and I get my permit, all right? I go into my mom's house, or my parents' house, and I'm like, Mom, 
You said, when I got my permit, I could drive the Camaro. She had a brand new Camaro. This is back in the day when they were cool, and they weren't associated with Joe Dirt, okay? And so I had a mullet. I'm like, Mom, I'm 15. I'm a grown man. I want to drive the Camaro now. And she's like, the only way that you could drive is if you let your uncle ride with you. And I'm like, oh, dang it. I wanted to go to the mall by myself and drive around the parking lot, blast out Def Leppard, and just impress the ladies. But my uncle's going to go. I'm like, okay, whatever, man. you got to take the bitter with the sweet. So we get in the Camaro. And I'll still remember. It smelled like Armor All and cheap vinyl, okay? And so I'm sitting in this Camaro, and I, it's in my mom's garage. She babied this thing. Guys, I'm not exaggerating. She took Q-tips and would clean the air conditioning vents, okay? I'm not even joking. She did that. So I'm in this immaculate, pristine car that my mom loves more than her children, okay? And so I'm backing, I'm backing up, and I'm already feeling the vibes of driving this car. It's so cool. So I back up. We live in a cul-de-sac, and so I'm driving down the street, okay? My little sister, who's around eight years old, she, I remember she had these pink, pink plastic skates, and she's just, she's doing her little thing, and she's like a little, little beanpole, and she's just, these big old clunky skates, and I'm going down, and I have the window open, 15, and I look at her, like, hey, what do you think? She's like, and this is my little sister, okay, she's like, hey, David, you're not supposed to be driving mom's car, and I'm like, shut up, I'm allowed, and I was just like, mm, honk, honk, peace, loser, right? And so I keep going down to the other street. I take a right at the stop sign. I go up to do this two, it's a four-way intersection, two-way stop. So I'm sitting there at the stop sign, or I kind of rolled up to the stop sign. I didn't come to a complete stop because that's for losers, I learned. And what I learned later, that's not the case. So I rolled up to the stop sign. I look to the right. Everything's cool. I glance out of my left, but I'm just thinking about impressing chicks at the mall. I move forward, and then my life slowed down to almost like time wasn't even moving. I looked back over at my uncle, and he's all, and I'm like, and then I see this Mustang flying towards me. I'm in the middle of the intersection, and in a moment, second, boom, totaled my mother's Camaro right there. Water. Oil, carnage, just pestilence, all of it was, I was like, oh, no airbags, right? It's a really, it's a miracle that I lived. About another foot, it would have been in my lap, the the Mustang would have. I'm like, oh, my gosh. My uncle's like, I'm like, "Ah." so I get out of the car. He's speechless. He's freaking out. He soiled himself. It was bad. And so I get out of the car, and this guy's like, what were you thinking? What's wrong with you? He starts tearing into me. I'm shaking. I'm like, oh, my gosh, my mom's car almost died, the Mustang. Uh. You know what I did? I fled the scene of the accident. <laughs> but I didn't mean to. I'm a baby still, guys. I'm 15. This is where your child part I'm like, i got to go tell my mom. I'll be right back. I left the scene of the accident. I'm running down the street. I go back up our street, cul-de-sac. I'm just running to my house, and I'm, like, freaking out. And I'm, like, I'm in trouble. I'm thankful to be alive. Oh, the car, all the rest of stuff. I, I, my little sister's still on the skates because I saw her, like, 82 seconds before. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I wrecked the car. She's like, I told you. I told you you weren't supposed to be driving the car. I'm like, I hate you, but I'll deal with you later. I go inside. My mom immediately, she sees me. She's like, Oh, honey, no. 
I'm like, yes, Mom, I did. I, I wrecked your car. And she's like, I was 15. It was two weeks ago on Friday that I got off of restriction, okay? I mean, you're like, really? No, no, not really. Here's the thing. All because I didn't wait. That could have been avoided. I could have sat at that stop sign like a real human being and honored it. Seen the Mustang go by? Going, nice car. I'm going to the mall. But no, simply because I tried to cut a corner and I didn't want to wait, it was troublesome. Some of you, the problems in your life is not because God wants to just make bad things happen to you. It's because you've gotten yourself in situations because you've chosen not to wait. It's important to wait. Everybody say it's important to wait. Man, it's so important. So why do I bring that up? Well, we're called to move. But we have to move in God's timing is my point. So there's this verse in Acts chapter, and I shared this last week. Acts chapter 17, 28, it says, and he gives us the what? Gives us the power to live. We don't have to drum this thing up. We could just say, I want your power, God. What's the power? The power is the Holy Spirit, man. You can't move without energy. You can't move without power. God is saying, I'm going to give you the power that you need to move and to be who you are. Who are we, DSM? We are. Is that verse not up there? We are whose children? Do I have any people that love Jesus and follow him in the house? I just need to understand who I'm preaching to. Awesome, awesome. We have the power, but we got to do it the right way. So here's what happens. So the disciples listen to Jesus, and they're like, okay, cool, man. We're ready to carry this torch, but if we got to wait, we got to wait. So they go up to the second floor of this building called the upper room, and they're just hanging out. Just like we would be. Just like hanging out in this room. Just waiting, because that's what Jesus said to do. <laughs> because they knew in order to move, they needed the power of God, the Holy Spirit, this gift within them to allow them the power to move. I think sometimes we try to live this Christian life on our own power. And how many of y'all have tried to do that in the past, but then you realize after a while you can't do it and you, you get tired and you get kind of worn out? Like, like in ministry, there's this phrase that we hear a lot of preachers say and worship leaders and volunteers are like, oh, man, I'm just really burned out. I'm just suffering from burnout in ministry. I'm like... You know, there's something messed up about that because what you will find is you will never see anybody in the New Testament burning out of ministry. Like these were people who were getting their backs ripped open and persecuted for Jesus. And they never got up and went, oh, I need to take some time off. Just really burn out. No, they're like, are you kidding? Get me back in the game. I've got the power in me. I've got to change the world. I've got the torch. Split my back open. I don't care. I got the power within me. You won't burn out if you trust in the power of God. You will always burn out as a Christian if you trust in your own power to get you from point A to point B every time. Every time. That's why you see Christians and they act all unhappy, those kind. And they, all, they look like someone vomited in their cereal. The reason why is because they've started trusting in their own self-righteous power and they have replaced the power of the Holy Spirit within them. And that's why they seem so bitter and angry and critical and gross. It's because all of a sudden they've lost what the whole point is. I can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. So you know what I was doing in my office an hour and a half ago on my knees, anointing myself, saying, I can't do this without you, Jesus. I want your Holy Spirit to speak through me. Who cares what David Martin has to say? Here's 
what I will tell you. If you wait, and then you say, God, I'm ready to move when you tell me. You get ready. Watch what happens. Have you ever, have you ever been, how many of y'all have ridden like a, an amazing roller coaster before? Just like the like one of those kind that just rips your faces off. Yeah. So I'm not a big fan of roller coasters, but I will ride them because I don't want to look like an idiot in front of my family. So I'll get on these things, but I'm praying the entire time, Lord, just get me off this thing so I can preach another day. That's all I ask. But when you stand in line, even at the happiest place on earth, we just went to Disneyland, and we would have to stand in line, and even with the fast pass, and it's hot outside, and you're seeing everybody else on the ride, and you're like, oh, man. Man, I wish I could be on that right now, but no, I got an another 48 minutes before I get on. And you get hot. Sometimes you even get thirsty. You get tired of waiting. But then the moment happens. The closer you get to the edge and the cart starts pulling up, you're like, okay, here we go. You start getting excited, right? Then when all the rest of the people get off, you're like, this is my turn. So you sit down in the roller coaster. And you sit down. And you put the little bar, right? And you put it on your lap. And you're just waiting, aren't you? Oh, but you know something cool is about to happen. And then all of a sudden you feel it. You feel it go, Doo. and then it goes, and then it goes. The roller coaster is still going up, yo. I got 72 more clicks. I'm just kidding. But then you get up to the point, you're like, no, he is not. Oh, I may. Don't test me. We get right to the top, and then there's that moment of peace. And it's like, and then it's chaos. And your stomach is like hanging out of your ear. And it's just like this thing. And then like 40 seconds later, it's like, and you're done. And you look at your friend, and all it's just a skeleton, right? Because their skin has been ripped off. And they're like, you know, I had a great time. Yeah, I had a great time too. It was worth the wait. Can I tell you, guys, don't get ahead of God. Jesus is saying you've got to wait, but this is a very important thing. Because they waited, and as they were waiting, it's like they're on this roller coaster, and they're hanging out. When's it going to come? When's the, holy, when's the power going to come? I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. All of a sudden, everybody say suddenly. Verse 2, here we go. There was a sound from heaven like the roaring mighty of a windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them and everyone present was filled with something. They were filled with what in this moment? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That is what you have got to have. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you've just got some good behavior. That's it. The Holy Spirit is what awakens your heart. When we sing wake within me, this is what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit had given them the ability. Here's what I want to let you know. Every single one of you in here who has exchanged their life for the life of Jesus, guys, the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, lives with inside you. Whether you feel it or not, it's not a feeling, it's a fact. With that said, the Holy Spirit is generous. And the Holy Spirit wants to reflect the nature of Jesus through you uniquely. That's why not everybody's called to wear a white ball cap and be hyper and yell in microphones. You see, there's enough of me to go around. But God has given you a talent. He's given you a gift. And some of you, you're like, you don't know what that is. But I want to let you know. 
When you move in step with the Holy Spirit, he will give you the power to move and to be who you are. You're a child of God, and God loves giving gifts to his children. You have a purpose, and if it's powered by the Holy Spirit, there's nothing, there's nothing like it. No one can duplicate what you can do when you wait and allow the Holy Spirit to come and move in and through you. So now they're speaking in all these foreign languages. What you got to understand is all these people from all over the world have gathered, and they're there in their city, and it's this, like a celebration of harvest, right? And they hear all these people talking, but all of a sudden, they, they're not from this area, but they hear people talking in their own language, and they're like, what in the world am I hearing? So now they're speaking in all these languages, and so, you know that song we sang last week, set a fire down in my, that I, that I can't control, I want It was beautiful. Yes. When we say, I want more of you, you're saying, God, I want the Holy Spirit. More of the Holy Spirit. Take over my life. So maybe you're going, okay, Dave, I want this gift of the Holy Spirit. How do I get it? I will tell you, because I am a professional, empowered by the Holy Spirit to read the Word of God that he wrote. You see in Ephesians, it says, and now you have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. That should make at least one person happy in here that they've been saved by God. Maybe it's just me. I'm an interactive preacher. I haven't said that in a while. The more you interact with me, the more I'm going to interact with you, and the better and less boring the sermon will be. So, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as whose? His own, man. By giving you what? Okay, so in this moment, the Holy Spirit now lives within you, whom he promised long ago. And the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And that he purchased us to be his, who people? His. See, he loves you. He's, I purchased you. You belong to me. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. How do we praise and glorify him? Singing songs, yeah. Giving our, and the offering, that's good. But you know what? It's an equally and if not more impactful form of worship when you understand that you belong to God and you're just satisfied with that. Like when you can just go, I don't have to do anything to make you love me or own me. Like you did this because you really love me. Guys, I was sitting on my front porch today, this morning in Manitou Springs, and I, and I just... I thought about this, and I think sometimes we just reduce to loving God by obeying him only. Like, and that's good. We, of course, you got to obey God. That's good, right? But I think sometimes we just forget the fact that he, he's most pleased with you when you are most pleased with him. When you stop seeing him as a bully, when you stop seeing as someone who's just like, oh, man, I'm so just irritated with you. So many of you see God that way. You skip a quiet time and you think it's like, well, there goes the scholarship to my college. God's going to punish me now. And you just rip God off and you paint him out to be this jerk. God is love. Hmm. Is that new for everybody? God is If he personifies love, don't you think he's probably loving? He loves you. He purchased you. Be pleased with him and he'll be pleased with you.
So there's people outside, and these 11 knuckleheaded teenagers with a group of other people, they, they're now filled with the Holy Spirit. They've got power. But people down below, they were completely amazed. And this is what they said. They said, how can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. They're freaking out. They don't know what to make of this. So in verse 12, they stood there, amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They're trying to figure this out. They asked each other, but the others in the crowd ridiculed them. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, children, be prepared for people to call you names and ridicule you. It doesn't make sense. And this is the best that this crowd could come up with. They see these 11 teenagers. They're now empowered by the Spirit of God himself. And they go, oh, they're just drunk. That's all. They've been hitting that four loco. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Didn't make it all the way up to Colorado. Here's the thing. Drunk. Drunk. You're wasted. That's the answer. You see, when you believe in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit moves in you, here's what happens, guys. In your homes, in your schools, in your world, you've got to trust me on this one. People are not going to get you. And so if, you, if your goal in life is to get people to understand you and really think you're awesome, don't even bother trying to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because you're going to be chasing the opinions of man instead of walking by the power of God. Okay? You can't do both. You've got to pick one or the other. Okay? They're going to call you drunk. They're going to call you a loser. They're going to call you a Jesus freak. They're going to call you a fanatic. They're going to call you a homophobe. They're going to call you stupid. They're going to call you conservative. They're going to say, oh, you love Trump and you want to build the wall. See, they, people just want to put labels on you, man. And all we want to do is just love people by the power of the Holy Spirit. But people don't know how to interpret love anymore because our world isn't loving. We're not even loving to one another half the time. So when someone is loving to you, many times people don't know how to respond to that. And they're like, oh, this, this feels weird. I, I'm so used to having a wall up around me, and you're showing the love of Jesus. You suck. Do you see? That's what we get at schools. That's what we get at work. That's what we get in our world. People don't know how to respond to the love of God. And so these people here are going, you're, you're a bunch of weirdos. You must be blasted out of your minds. You've been drinking Boone's Farm. I'm so glad you don't know these names of these booze. This makes me so happy as a youth pastor. You're like, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. No, you're not. <laughs> My point is, say, Dave, what's your point? If the world calls you crazy, it means it's working. Okay? We are a peculiar people. We are not of this world. We are aliens according to scripture. We don't belong here. We don't fit in. So congratulations, you've just walked into a room of a bunch of misfits for Jesus. And I like hanging out with a bunch of misfits. But Peter, who's now filled, he's one of the disciples, filled with the Holy Spirit, he goes, oh, these, these guys, they don't even understand what's going on. Let me explain. Verse 14, Peter then steps forward with the 11 other apostles and he shouted to the crowd. He's like, listen carefully, all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Because it's not only 9 o'clock in the morning. It's much too early to get drunk. I love that. It's, he's not, he's implying. I, I read it. He's like, now nah, if you got us at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it may be a different story. But 9 in the morning, no. Oh. <gasps> All right, then Peter begins to explain what just happened. Okay, I was thinking about you guys specifically tonight as I prayed that God would bring the ones that he wants in this room. You see, whether you sit in the seat, and that's fine, we love that you're here, and you keep sitting in the seat, and you don't do anything for God, that's, that's 
that's between you and the Lord. I love you anyway, and so does God. But I want to let you know that there are last days that are approaching our world. Guys, almost every day there's a hurricane or an earthquake. Almost every day we're hearing about that crazy dude over in Korea trying to shoot up the whole world. You see, our world is going to hell in a handbasket. So, but here's what I want to let you know. I'm going to read a story about what's going to happen to the generation that is empowered by the Holy Spirit that goes, ooh, the world is coming unraveled. If the world is coming unraveled, that means that this we could be the actual generation that Peter is about to describe here. You want to know about the students at DSM that want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, that realize that there's something beyond them? And they look beyond their own selves and their own inadequacies and they, they go, man, I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit as well. Listen to what happens in the last days. Peter says in the last days, God says, I will pour out my what? On all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. God is not a male chauvinist, ladies. You have an equal role in the kingdom of God, okay? We need some more women preachers up on this stage. But I'm going to pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds and smoke. In other words, it's going to get mad crazy in this world. And it's already started. The sun's going to become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But DSM, some of you in here, this freaks you out because you're like, I don't want to live in a world that looks like this. I live in a world that I'm, I'm scared. I, I just want to hide in my room. But I want to let you know tonight, if you don't know Jesus... You don't, this does not have to be your fate where everything, you just die under the weight of all of this chaos in this world. Because Peter says something here in verse 21. But everyone, everybody say everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so you call upon Jesus and you say, I want to follow you. I want to have your life and your power within me so that I may be saved, not only for my own sake, so that I may dream dreams, that I may prophesy, that I may be able to speak into the deeper things of God. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. He's on a roll. He says now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he has promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to do what? To pour out upon you guys and me. Just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven. And yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies. So Peter's on a roll. By the Holy Spirit, he's saying these things. This is his first sermon. He says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you have crucified to be Lord and Messiah. But listen to the response in verse 37. It says at this moment, something happened to their hearts. They heard this and they went, oh, their hearts were what? What does the scripture say? Pierced. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do about this? We didn't realize that we were the ones that put Jesus up on the cross. You mean he died and we put him there? Yes. This moment, for some of you, you're hearing this, you're like, are you saying that it was my sins that 
allowed you, that, you mean Jesus died on the cross because I put him there? Yes. And it's at this moment of realization, though, it doesn't mean that it's over, though. You see, Peter replied, here's what you must do. And for those in this room and right now in this moment, if you're going, man, what must I do to be saved? I didn't realize that I'm separated from God. I thought just showing up the DSM bought me some cool points with God. No. Here's the answer. You ready? Peter replied, each of you must repent. What is repent? Repent basically means to make a U-turn. You've been living for yourself. You've been trying to live on your own power. You've been chasing things that are over-promising and under-delivering in your life. You, you, you feel lost. You feel alone. You feel misunderstood. You don't think anybody loves you. I'm here to tell you something. That if you make a U-turn, you will find that Jesus is standing there. And he's saying, welcome home. There's nothing that you have done that could separate me from the love. You just need to say, I'm ready to make a turnaround in my life. That's it. Repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then, everybody say then. The moment you do this, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit within you. And it's without any prejudice. If you repent and you turn and you're baptized, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the same power that is in Peter and these 11 guys is now going to reside within you. So now while we've seen the purpose and the value for the disciples to wait in order to go, maybe it's the opposite for you. You've heard this kind of message before, but you've just kind of like, man, that's not me, dude. My question is, maybe you're not wanting to move. And I want to ask you, what has been keeping you from moving to God? Have I said anything in here tonight that would make it sound like this is a bad deal? This is beautiful. This is God's pursuit of you. So I'm going to ask you, just dim the lights. We're going to land this plane. Leave verse 38 up there. So here's what I want you to do. Turn the lights way down in here. I want, this is a private moment between you and Jesus Christ, okay? Here's what I want you to do. There's two groups of people in this room. You have just heard through the word of God what it means to be saved. And you have also just heard through the word of God what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes within you. But it is our understanding as we look at scriptures that when someone lays hands upon someone else and they pray that the Holy Spirit would fill them, what is happening in this moment is that the gifts are awakened within you. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit does several things. Number one, it seals you. So when you accept Christ, when you repent of your sins, that moment the Holy Spirit is right in you and nothing can separate you from God. But then there is a moment in which you need to have the Holy Spirit fill you so that you can begin to walk in the same power as these young men. And so there's two groups of people in this room. Some of you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're walking in your gifts. You're, you're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and to move you into the deeper things of God. Excellent. But there's some of you in here, you never understood it. And we've overcomplicated this thing so much. But it's simply someone laying their hands on you and praying, Lord, fill them with the Holy Spirit. And you saying, God, I want more of you. Some of you in here, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you came in here because a friend invited you, or maybe you came in here and tonight for the first time it made sense to you. I want to talk to you first. And so I'm going to ask you, if you want to receive Jesus, the forgiveness of your sins, 
just like these people, they said, what must we do to be saved? He said, repent and be baptized. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right now, everybody. And DSM, what I, want to, what I want you all to do is I want you to pray out loud with me for the sake of those around you who may feel timid or embarrassed. And I want us to pray this prayer. And so if you have never received Jesus' forgiveness and exchanged your life for the life of Jesus, as I pray, I'm going to have the leaders come up. And I want you to pray with me out loud right now. If you want to receive Jesus Christ and be saved, pray with me. Dear Jesus, I confess. Come, DSM, I really need you to step it up. This is the prayer of salvation. And someone around you needs to be empowered by your boldness. So we're going to start over. Pray from your heart to Jesus. Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead. I trust that you're at the right hand of the Father, hearing my prayer, and I now want to exchange my sin for your forgiveness. I want to receive your life, and I give you my life. I will choose to follow you all of my life. And I thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for forgiving me, defeating the power of sin, defeating the power of demonic powers, for overcoming the enemy, defeating death and hell itself. I now commit my life to you for all of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that for the first time and you meant it from the bottom of your heart, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you prayed that. Yes. Come on, man. Yes. Yes. God heard your prayer. I love you guys. I love, I love how you would get excited when there's new brothers and sisters that are born into the family of God. I love that. So here's what we're going to do. Tonight, we're going to end a little bit differently. So all of these people up here are people that I trust with my life. I love them, and they are called by God, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. As we are now dismissed, if you go, you know what, I want to be prayed over, and I want to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, find one of these people, doesn't matter who it is, and they're going to pray over you. They're going to lay hands on you and empower you so that you can, in fact, move by the power of God to be the children of God that you've been called to be, man. So we celebrate the brand new life in this room, and we're about to celebrate the Holy Spirit empowering students to be able to take the torch who are now going to be ignited by the flame of God to be able to change this world. So you are officially dismissed unless you want to come up during this time and be prayed over. So there you go. We have one more week of this series. Next week is going to be such a fun week. Bring your friends. I love you guys. You all are dismissed.